the kingdom of God. We're going to look at Luke 8, 1 through 21. Follow with me. I'm going to read the first three verses of Luke, Luke 8. Luke writes, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings or the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa or Chuzza, I don't know, I'll ask whenever I see her, um, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who had provided for him from their substance. The company that is following Jesus is growing. There are more and more disciples following after Jesus. And many, many have experienced the power of God to deliver their lives. As many of you, it's amazing just if I were to sit and talk to you about your testimony, how God has worked in your life, it's amazing to hear the stories of how each of you have experienced the power of God to deliver you from something in the past. Is that true? Let me see your hands. It's amazing. And at the men's fellowship uh, yesterday, I've had uh, uh, Maddie shared his testimony, even though I wasn't able to be there because I wasn't feeling well. But it's really amazing to share what the Lord has done in our lives because we're all sitting here. I'm standing here. We all look pretty normal, right? We all act pretty normal most of the time. And you would never know the things that God has done in our lives. And Jesus is just proclaiming the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Kind of a Bible phrase, and you think, well, what does that mean? The glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling. It is both presently And we might say, you know, the Bible would say the kingdom of God is among you. And that's essentially wherever we find people whose lives have come into relationship with God, we are part of the kingdom of God. We're experiencing the kingdom of God. But certainly we're talking about the future coming kingdom of God that will be established on the earth. And we look at the around the world today at all the trouble going on. We're saying, Lord, when are you going to come and bring the kingdom of God? But to consider each time that somebody personally experiences the power of God, we realize they're just getting a sample of what is coming. Do you like samples? You plan your day to go to Costco on sample day. You don't even have to buy lunch, right? You just wander around and you act surprised like they had samples. Oh, I guess I'll take one of those. And maybe could I have, could I have five more for my kids? They want you to sample it and buy the whole thing. And when God is working in your life, you realize it's just a sample. It's not the whole thing. We're waiting for that day when we're going to see the Lord And see him face to face. We're waiting for that day when all of this trouble that's going on in the world, all this grandstanding and deception of rulers and nations, the Lord sees it. 
And the Lord is allowing it to happen to bring it to completion for that time in which he will judge the nations and he will establish his kingdom on the earth. So we say, Lord, hurry up. And we sometimes panic and say, God, do you see what they're doing? Have you ever said that to God? God, as if you need to tell God, do you see what he's doing? Why is he getting away? Why are they getting away with that? And the older you get in the Lord, you realize nobody's getting away with anything. Have you learned that lesson yet? It only looks like the evil are getting away with it. They are digging their own grave. But they're, they're being given time to repent if they will. But if not, they are going to reap what they sow. In Isaiah 11, Isaiah wrote that the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play, shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the, or, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What is the kingdom of God? This is, this is such a basic lesson today here in Luke chapter 8. But I want to say to you how simple but how powerful this can be in your life. That for us to be in and share in the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God is the kind of my first point. It's what you already know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. As simple as that is, it is really the opposite of what religion thinks of God. And even what the Jews thought of God at the time, that God is angry, that God is standoffish, that God is just ready to punish, that really the kingdom of God is only for the Jews. And really among them, the elite who really had favored status were the men. It just goes on and on, this narrow understanding and kind of elitist understanding of the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus said those words, he was actually speaking to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, a teacher of the law. A, 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 if anybody, you might say, was, was in right standing with God, it would have been this man, Nicodemus. And so for Jesus to say these words, Nicodemus, God loves the world, not just Israel. And whoever would believe in him, not just perform religious works, will be saved. It, it, the simplicity of it is easy to overlook. And when we think, who can be saved? It, and the standard that God accepts, do you know the standard that God accepts for those who 
can be in the kingdom of God, it is perfection, sinlessness. And you say, well, that leaves me out. But because it is absolutely impossible, he made another way. For you to be imparted righteousness in just given, if you can't earn it and don't deserve it, it can be given to you as a gift. And all you do is receive it in faith. Since you can't do anything to be good enough to receive it, God just says, I'm willing to give it to you. Your part is to put your life in my hands, faith. Whosoever would believe. Now, we call the gospel good news. It's glad tidings. Because any other way to be made right with God didn't work. Have you ever tried to be good enough to be part of the church and then you failed? Let me see your hands. Here's my hand up. We determined to be good. Turn over a new leaf. I, I'm really not fond of New Year's resolutions. I don't do that because I'm just going to feel bad by the middle of January. I'm going to break my own resolution. So if I said to you, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. It's in Hawaii. The only condition is you have to swim there and get it. Is that good news? No, it's not good news. And anytime religion tries to say, Here's the conditions. Here's the hoops you have to jump through. And essentially, world religion is that. You performing something to get something from God. It is man, you've probably heard it, man reaching up to God. Well, I can't reach up to God. There is a gulf between us, as Job said. I need a... a a daysman, a mediator, or someone to go between, someone who can touch God and touch me and bring us together. That's Jesus, a mediator, a mediator. And so he died to pay for your sins, satisfying the law. And then as you accept the gift of his payment and turn your life over to him, then right standing or righteousness with God is just given to you. That's what it means by good news. Finally, a way has been made that you could not do for yourself. I love that there is a, a list of women who are following Jesus and are part of his ministry team. They're not just people who have become believers or disciples. They're part of the team not just the men. And let me tell you, it is very healthy for a church to have both men and women who rise up in leadership. Now, I have three older sisters who were really abusive to me when I was a child. I'm just, I get to say this publicly now. They kicked me around. Uh, but then to bless me as an adult, the Lord gave me three daughters. So that's my life. I was raised by a pack of wild girls, I say. 
it's amazing that I turned out as masculine as I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> One of the only pictures I have of me as a child is about four years old, and yes, I'm wearing a dress. I'm not showing that to you on a Sunday morning, ever. But I just wanted my daughters to be strong, to be fully capable, to not treat them as, well, the women, and, you know, you're somehow going to get left out because you're, you're a girl or whatever. Um, and they're very capable young women now. They're all in their 30s. Uh, tell me what to do. And I have eight grandkids now. Um, but these women that are with Jesus are from, we might say, very difficult backgrounds. And sometimes when we're looking for people in ministry, we want to find the people who have the appearance of success, the successful people, the people who look good, and frankly, what Tanner said is kind of true. We're looking for people who can pass a background check. And the fact is, not everybody in ministry could pass a background check. Amen? Now, we're not going to endanger your kids. But many of us who have come into service for the Lord, have, have, we haven't had great lives. We've had difficult lives. And that is the testimony that we have for our community. To not live in shame of your past, but looking forward. I'd come across, my wife came across this, that somebody had written. Uh, now, just a couple of weeks ago was uh, National Women's Day or month or what was it? Anybody? Women's Day. I don't know if it was the week, the month. I don't care. But this was really great. It wrote that Jesus protected women, Jesus empowered women, Jesus released the voice of women, confided in women, was funded by women, celebrated women, learned from women, respected women, and spoke of women as examples to follow. So wherever you have this concept that Christianity keeps, keeps women down, that's not really Jesus. That is not the Christianity of the Bible. So if God is inviting everyone to be in the kingdom of God, the, question, the kingdom of God is how does that happen? How does the good news work in our lives? And Jesus goes into a couple of parables to explain to the crowd how they can be part of the kingdom of God and grow and see God work in their lives. At verse four, he said, when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city, and he spoke a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock. As soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As we read through the rest of these verses, I want you to just note how many times Jesus talks about hearing, listening. He just repeats it over and over and over again. 
The challenge in Bible study is that God is, is not that God is withholding from you. It's the fact that it's right there in plain sight and we're often not listening. Do you know how hard it is to listen when somebody talks to you? Your brain is going on your own. You're waiting for them to stop talking so you can tell them something you want to tell them. It is hard throughout life. It is hard to listen. But it is that skill of listening and observing and taking information and applying it that will distinguish you in your career. Um, just a quick story. When I was a young man in my 20s, I was really pursuing a professional music career, played drums, grew up in Los Angeles. And I, I kept meeting people and getting around the music business and Christian music. And I knew enough people where I was getting to sit in on some recording sessions. I was like in my mid-20s. And suddenly I would find out there would be some really famous musicians in these recording sessions. And I would sit like a fly on the wall in the back of the room then everybody would go to lunch and I would get to maybe talk to that musician and ask a few questions. And, you know, guys like you wouldn't know these names, Jim Keltner is a drummer, but he played for John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Travelin Wilburys, and many other people. Um, Ron Tutt, who played drums for Elvis Presley um, and, and other people that I would just get, I'm, I'm freaking out as a 25-year-old thinking, I get to sit here and watch them play. What you learn about these highly skilled musicians is so much of what they get paid for is their ability to listen. It's not just that they can play amazing, but they listen. They listen, first of all, and they know what not to play. They get paid a lot of money for what they know not to play. And they know how to play the right thing at the right time and the right place. That is very difficult to do, to hold back. I was sitting in a session once with the guitar player on the session was a guy named Michael Landau. He plays for James Taylor right now. And there was a lot of musicians in the studio recording through a song. And suddenly he hit one note, one note that was like the perfect note. And everybody in the studio exploded. It was like so amazing that he chose this note at this right time and just nailed it. And even he almost jumped out of his seat. And there was those, those moments and the simplicity, but that skill of being able to listen. It is very difficult. But that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to listen. To him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. At verses 9 and 10, the disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to, to the rest, it is given in parables 
that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now here's a, maybe a little bit of a trick question. Was Jesus concealing or revealing the secrets of the kingdom of God? And there are differing opinions about what he meant here. The disciples say, why are you teaching in parables? And he says, well, to you, it's been given to know these things. And some people would say, no, Jesus is concealing the truths of the kingdom from these other people. You can hear them, and I want you to know what I'm saying, but I don't want them to know. It's not been given for them to know the secrets. Have you ever heard that before? Now, does that fit with the heart of God that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? Be careful when you come up with a Bible interpretation that doesn't fit the heart of God. I believe what Jesus is really saying is these people can't understand plain language of spiritual things. I can talk about it openly, but they don't understand what I'm saying. And, and in order to help them make the connection, I'm teaching in a parable. And in fact, that is the very purpose of a parable. It is to lay a spiritual or an illustration alongside it. Parable means to lay alongside. Here is a spiritual truth they can't understand. So he lays alongside of it a, an illustration, which they do understand. It's an agrarian culture. They understand how seed and soils works. And if any of them wants a good crop, they need good soil. So then Jesus goes on to explain the parable to the crowd. Now this, now the parable is this. So if, he, if he's wanting to conceal, he wouldn't go on and explain it. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside, wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time, time of temptation, they fall away. Now the ones who fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So he tells us a parable about sowing seed and four different types of soil. The disciples say, why are you telling a parable? And I believe Jesus is saying, because you get it and they don't, and I'm trying to help them understand what I'm saying. They understand the basic everyday lessons of sowing seed and the soil needs to be prepared and of good, uh, good soil and ready to receive this. So four types of soil, which represent our, our heart, our lives. And note, it's the same seed that goes out to every type of person. 
And that answers what people say like, well, I tried to read the word, but it didn't work. And Jesus is explaining. It can go out to a pathway. It's a hard ground. It doesn't get into the soil at all. It could go on rocky ground. It seems to get into there a little bit. It springs up, but because it can't take root, it, the sun comes out and it withers away quickly. It can go among thorns. Now, in the Bible, in typology in the Bible, thorns first show up where in the Bible? Extra credit points for this question. Where do thorns first show up in the Bible? The Garden of, you got it right, the Garden of Eden. And were there thorns before man sinned? No. Thorns in life are the result of sin, the fall of creation. And so thorns in our life is sin that prevents the word of God from working. But here's what I love. So often we, we, we tell ourselves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better Christian now. I'm going to try. I'm really going to get my act together. And then we fail. We just can't do it. We can't follow through. What I want you to see about this illustration of the soils is that the God will give you exactly what you need. In fact, the fruitfulness in our lives is completely the result of good seed, the word of God. It's not you. The soil is not producing a fruitful life. But you do have control over the soil of your heart. You can't make it, you know, without the seed produce anything. But to each of us, we struggle with rocks that get in our life, thorns that get in our life, dryness. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Can you hear me? Are you able to hear me? The word of God is going out to you right now. And I've discovered that in there are times in my own life where I'm suddenly able to hear it. I'm suddenly ready to receive it. And that, even that, is God and the Spirit of God working in my heart to open my eyes and my ears to see what I didn't see before. Maybe at times when I was so sick of my old life and troubles of old things, you get, you know, God will give you what you want. And if you want to goof off and get in trouble, he'll let you. But you see where that goes, and you come to the day in which you say, I don't really want to keep going down that road. And when you're ready and you repent, which means to turn around and go back the other way, it's a change of mind, a change of direction. When you're ready to turn around, do you know the Lord is there to meet you? I love how gracious and patient the Lord is. He is long-suffering, not willing that any should, per should perish. 
Do you know how long-suffering God is with you and with me? He waits and waits and waits, just like many of you wait and wait on your kids. You wait and you wait, and God waits and waits. He's not distracted. He is watching over you, maybe times even keeping you out of trouble when you should have gotten in trouble. And whenever you're there, whenever you're ready, say, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of tired of doing this. I'm tired of messing up things. How faithful the Lord is. At the very time in which you know you really don't deserve it. You haven't sought after the Lord, but it's that simple turning back around. But the simplicity of it to let the word go into your heart and allow it to do its work. It will produce a fruitful life. It will just do it. Now you might say, I don't understand how this works. And frankly, if I look at a little bag of seeds, I don't understand how it works either. You know, seeds are pretty harmless. They're not attractive. They're not flowers. They're not anything. But you know, hidden within seeds are code our language, and that should speak to you guys about software, hardware and software. You know the power of the written language. That is software, the genetic code that shapes our body and designs everything. It's all there in a little seed that doesn't look like it's going to do anything. The word of God sown into our hearts and kept there will start to produce things in our life that you could never do outside of the power of God. And when it happens, it's amazing. And when it happens, there's no room for any of us to boast or say, look what I did, because you didn't do anything. We've all already seen, you know, what we make of our own lives. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In this whole beginning of John 15, Jesus says, you, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me for without me you can do nothing. And you're just going to be fruitful. You're just going to be fruitful. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Complete, that means mature. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means that none of us can claim that we can't move forward with the Lord because of our past. We can't say, well, this works for other people, but it can't work for me because you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the power of God. There is nothing in your past that can prevent the word of God from working in your life. There's nothing. 
So if you're used to holding on to the past, an injury or a disappointment, that doesn't really fly. It may be something to work out with God. But God is much more powerful than our past. The word of God is like seed and quickly the word of God is like light that exposes. This 16 through 18, Jesus said, no one when he has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light for nothing in secret that will, there is nothing in secret that will not be revealed nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him it will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken away. All of that is about the fact that the word of God is bringing understanding, but also accountability to our lives. The fact is, now that you're here and you've heard this, you are now accountable. And we are accountable before God to respond to what we know. Maybe you've heard people say, well, what about those people who have never heard the gospel? Every person on the face of the earth is accountable for what they do know. So you are accountable for what you know. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Those in the kingdom of God are those in the family of God. And that's simply not those of a certain nationality or a favored status or an elite group of people in the world, but out of every tribe and tongue. It's those who heard and did it. So start where you are, hear it, and do it. And do you know that the Lord considers you part of his family? And that means whatever was your story, and I know so many of us, including me, have troubled backgrounds growing up. But to have that, an old story, and not your present identity is so important. Would you stand with me? We're going to close the service today by receiving communion together. And what a great opportunity as you've heard this today. The word of God is going, gone out. It's like seed into your hearts. And you're deciding, am I going to accept this or not accept it? And in ways that I don't even know, you are comforted or convicted about issues in your life. Things that you know aren't quite right with the Lord. And I don't need to know anything, but the thing is that you know, and the Lord knows, and he just wants you to be right with him. 
He's not pointing the finger or accusing you that, well, you promised you would do this for me and you, you let me down. Listen, I've let the Lord down so many times. But it's in my failures I've discovered the grace of God. So as the worship team leads us in a, a song or two, um, you can come forward and get the communion elements and I encourage you to take a minute and have a moment of prayer between you and the Lord. And just be tell the truth. It's the truth that will set you free. And just be honest with the Lord about what's in your heart and ask him for the strength to give you a, a start today to move forward. And that's where we all are. That's where we all are.